After finishing reading a book on my Kindle recently, I went to the Kindle store to see what books might be available for my next reading adventure. And one of them stood out to me, and the title is 13 Things That Mentally Strong People Don't Do. So I downloaded the sample, went to the table of contents to see whether or not I stacked up with mentally strong people. And sure enough, I have a lot of work to do. So that was a, a bit of a fun exercise, but it got me to thinking about what is it that spiritually strong people don't do? Or from a more positive aspect or view on that, what are the things that spiritually strong people do in their lives? And so I came back to our worship staff and we started talking about this and praying about it. And here we are in this new series spiritually strong, which we're going to explore what it looks like to be spiritually strong in our lives and, and what are some of the things that spiritually strong people do. Now, I have to admit that I was a little bit hesitant about doing this series because just like when I read through the table of contents of that book about what mentally strong people do and don't do, I came up short. And so I was a little worried that when we start making a list of what spiritually strong people do, that I'm gonna fall short. And I might not wanna be reminded of that. It's probably gonna make me feel bad about myself. And maybe you're feeling that way right now. Do I really wanna to listen to a whole series where we talk about spiritually strong people when I don't feel very spiritually strong right now? And so if you can identify with that, just hang on and trust the series because I, I think part of being spiritually strong is that spiritually strong folks, we live life to the full. And I think to live life to the full, we have to be spiritually strong. I want to share a passage of scripture with you that I think highlights the importance of being spiritually strong in our lives. So we're going to be in the New Testament. This is going to be the book of 1 Peter. Peter was one of Jesus's 12 disciples. He's writing to some Christians in the first century. And this is what he says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. What he's saying is, before we knew Jesus, we were doing a lot of bad stuff. Let's not drift back to that. But just as he who called you is holy, right? God is holy, Jesus is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. And to be holy means to be set apart, to be different from the world, to be like God, to be like Christ. And the Bible says for us, as followers of Jesus, is not really optional. If we follow Jesus, then we have to strive to be like Jesus, to be holy. And I think to be holy means to be spiritually strong. And that when we're holy, when we're spiritually strong, we tap into living life to the full. So that's why we're here in this series. And I hope you'll stick with us as we think about what it looks like to be holy in our lives, what it looks like to be spiritually strong, and not to worry if we're not there yet, because that's the destination and we're on this journey together. Let me tell you a story. It's really kind of a made-up story, kind of a parable maybe, if you will, and it's going to kind of help us unpack some of what we're talking about being spiritually strong. Imagine that I had a drinking problem, and that one day I had too much to drink, got into my car, went out and drove, and got into an accident. I hit someone because I had been drinking and driving. It was a family of four, and in this accident, I killed someone, and the three others went to the hospital. That'd be a terrible tragedy. It'd be a terrible nightmare. But imagine if 
when I was getting ready to be placed on trial for the actions that I had committed, that the law allowed for someone to take my place, that they would go to court, they would be in jail before they went into court, if they were convicted, they would then go and serve the sentence, and that I would not do that. And then in this case, my father volunteered to take my place. And he went into the courtroom. He stayed in the jail between courtroom sessions. When the conviction came and the sentence to go into prison for life was given, my father, rather than me, served that sentence. In the eyes of the law, everything between the law and me would be good. I would be right in a relationship with the law and the justice of the day. My father would have taken upon the consequences for my actions, and that would be serving the sentence. But in the, the legal eye, right, the legal vision, I would be in a right relationship with the law of the land and the justice system. But in my life, I would still have a lot of mess to clean up. I would still be addicted to drinking. I would probably drink and drive again. I would still carry the burden that I had killed someone and that all injured three other people and hospitalized them, that my father is serving time in prison. And so just because I'm right with the justicism doesn't mean that I don't have work to do. So that's a hypothetical situation and example. But it also kind of shows us just exactly what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. When Jesus came to, from heaven to earth to become a human being and then to die on a cross, what he did was he substituted himself for our sins, for our wrongdoing. So for our cheating and our lying and our stealing and our greed and our gossiping and our disobeying our parents for our lust and adultery, all the things that we do that are wrong, Jesus took the consequences upon himself. Right? The guilt and the shame and the fact that we're going to die a physical death one day and that we will spend eternity apart from God in what's called hell in the Bible. So when Jesus died on the cross, he took our place and he took our consequences of sin and guilt and shame and death and hell upon himself so that we can be made right in the eyes of God, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can release guilt and shame so that we can find instead joy and peace. That's what Jesus did for us. And so just like the story of my father substituting himself for me, Jesus substitutes himself for us. And we can be made right with God. The Bible uses the word justified to be made right with God when we believe in what Jesus did for us, when we thank him, when we say to Christ, please forgive me, for all that I've done and that you had to die for that. I want to leave that life behind me. Come and live in me and be my Lord and Savior. Right? When, we, when we make that decision to receive Jesus' gift, right? it's called grace, unmerited favor. We get something we don't deserve. Right? We receive the justifying grace of Jesus. Jesus makes us right with God. Right? Jesus does the heavy lifting. We simply have to decide to accept the gift. And when we do, it's a moment in time. It's a moment in time when we, when we offer ourselves to Jesus, when we offer our lives to Christ, that we want to shift our lifestyle and follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. We are justified. Other people would say at this point in time with our decision that we've been born again, that we've been converted, that we've been saved. Right? All, that, all that is good. It's all good language. 
It means that we're going to go to heaven. It means that God lives in us and, and forgives us. And so it's a point in time where we have been justified, and it's awesome. But still, just like the situation where I talked about where my father substituted himself for me, and then I still had stuff that I had to sort through, didn't I? I still had a drinking problem. Right, So when Jesus dies for our lying and for our cheating and for our stealing and our gossip and our greed, right, those sins, even though we've been forgiven of them, they still cling to us. In the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, it says that, that sin clings to us. And so we have to find a way right, to get rid of that stuff. We've been forgiven, right? We're not going to hell, but we still have sin that, that's hanging around in our lives, and we're going to have to apologize and, and, and ask for forgiveness for specific sins in our lives, even though the general lifestyle has shifted from we were sinners before. Now we are with Christ and, and we're winners, right? We're on, the, we're on the winning team. And so for the rest of our lives now, the Holy Spirit comes to make us holy, to help us fight that sin that clings to us. Even though we've been forgiven uh, of our lifestyle, right? There's individual sin that still clings to us. And so for the rest of our lives, we go now into uh, another phase of grace called sanctification. Sanctifying grace, right? Sanctification is to be made holy. It means that we're set apart from the world. We're different from the world. It means now that, that Paul writes in the New Testament that we have power over sin. Now we can choose not to sin. Before we knew Jesus, we were sinners. Now we are called saints because we are followers of Christ. We're not perfect yet, but there's been a monumental shift in who we are on the inside. Now the Holy Spirit gives us the power not to sin outwardly with our actions, but also gives us power not to sin inwardly with our thoughts and the things that are in our hearts. And so for the rest of our lives, the Holy Spirit works with us so that we become more like Jesus. We were created in Jesus's image. We messed that up with sin. Now the Holy Spirit is restoring us into the image of Christ that we were created in. Right? So sanctification means we're set apart. We are made holy. We become more like Jesus. We are restored in the image of Christ. Right? It means our lives are transformed. Right? That's one of the core values of our church. God meets us where we are and helps us to become something more. And so the sanctification process is a long process. It's going to last throughout our lives, right? We play a role. God plays a role, right? We'll talk about what that looks like through this series, so I hope you keep coming back for that. But basically, God's still doing the heavy lifting, but we have to choose to cooperate. And so sanctification ultimately is transformation. God meets us where we are and helps us become something more, helps us become something better, helps us become better people in our lives, helps us deal with that sin that clings to us. And ultimately what God's doing is helping us live our lives to the full so that our lives are not weighed down by more shame and more guilt when we lie and cheat and steal and do bad things, right? And so sanctification is that process that we go through. The ultimate goal of this is to become perfect. Jesus says it himself in scripture, be perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect, right? And perfection means that we choose not to sin anymore. And if we don't achieve that in this life with the help of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will complete that in us when we die because heaven's a perfect place and we can't go into a perfect place until we have been made perfect. So for the rest of our lives, once we give our lives to Christ, we are in the sanctification process. We are being transformed. We are becoming spiritually strong. Maybe another way to think about it is the difference between a wedding 
and a marriage. Think about that. The difference between a wedding and a marriage. Weddings are awesome. They are great celebrations. They are one point in time, right? Your wedding happened on this day at this time. And in that wedding, two people make a conscious decision to love each other and follow their vows for the rest of their lives, right? So weddings are amazing. It's a point in time. It's a time where a decision is made intentionally and that the, the married couple comes in one way and they leave differently. They came in as single individuals. Now they are legally and spiritually married. They are different. There's something different about them, right? Just like justification with Jesus, right? It's a point in time where we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're made right with God, and something changes inside of us. We move from sinners to saints. We move from sinners to winners. We're not perfect yet, but we now have power over sin, right? That's a moment in time. And so then the wedding is a moment in time, but the marriage has just started, right? The marriage, the goal is to be married forever, right? For the rest of our lives. And, and some days in marriages are going to be great, just like the wedding was, but some days in marriages are going to be challenging and difficult, especially the longer we're married, Right? There's just going to be moments where we don't have good moments in marriages. And so marriage is, is work. It's a relationship. And for it to truly last, both spouses have to invest in each other. They have to invest in, in the marriage. And so it's an ongoing thing, just like sanctification. We want to be in a relationship with God for the rest of our lives. We have to invest in that, just like a married couple invest in one another. Now, the sad thing is that there are a lot of marriages in weddings in America, that where people invest more in the wedding than they do in the marriage. Maybe you've seen that. You've seen a huge, great, awesome wedding, and it's just been this blowout wedding, and it's just amazing. Uh, and, and the folks focus more in the wedding than they did their marriage, and the marriage falls apart. Same thing can happen to us in our relationship with God. Right? The justification's awesome, right? Being saved is awesome. Right? Being converted is awesome. Being born again is awesome. Being justified is awesome. Going to heaven is going to be awesome. Right? But the rest of our lives, if we don't allow ourselves to be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, then the relationship with God can fade away. It can fall away. I know that some Christians believe that you can't walk away or fall away from God, but in the United Methodist Church, we believe that you can because that free will is still a part of our lives. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, God sends letters to these churches and, and says, I have this against you. You have, you've betrayed your, your first love, me. Right? If you don't come back, then it's not going to be a pretty sight. Right? We can fall away from God. And so there's a difference between a wedding and a marriage. And there's a difference between justification and sanctification. Right? We're made right with God outwardly, but the rest of our lives, the Holy Spirit works with us to be made holy, to be set apart, to grow and to be transformed, right? And ultimately to live life to the full. Because the more that we are holy, the more that we're like Christ, the more that we have sin fall away from us rather than to cling to us, the more joy we're going to experience in our lives. And isn't that what we want for our families and our friends? We want our children and grandchildren to have it better than we have it. Right? God wants that for all of us. God meets us where we are and helps us become something more, helps us become something better. And so to be spiritually strong means that we become more like Christ. We become holy, set apart through the sanctification process through our lives with the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe again, you're like me. You see that and you're like, yeah, I want to be holy. I want to be set apart. I want the image of God to be restored in me, and I want to live life to the full, and I'm, I'm tired of all this sin clinging to me. It's really like 
baggage that's carrying me down. I'm tired of the guilt and the shame, you know, keep coming back. And I'm ready to, to be transformed and to have that experience. But I just, that sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of effort. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it even if I try my hardest. And, you know, right now I'm feeling kind of tired and I just, I have so much on my plate that I don't know that I can add holiness to, to the top of the list or even the bottom of the list, right? We're exhausted. Right? It's just difficult. And, and I, I know what, I know what you're feeling. Some of it, right? I'm tired of the pandemic. I'm tired of politics. I'm tired of racism. I'm tired of people being shot in the streets. I, I'm tired of people struggling financially, right? Having to squeeze that budget through the church or our own individual budgets. I, you know, I'm tired of Zoom meetings and I'm tired of remote learning. I'm tired of the stress of cabin fever and everybody, you know, yipping at each other and Man, this, I'm just, I'm tired with you. And when I look at, you know, being holy, it sounds great, but man, it sounds exhausting. And will I ever even, you know, stack up to Christ's expectations? It sounds like those are some high expectations to be perfect. And man, I'm far from perfect. You might call me a saint in the Bible. You might call me a saint now, but I don't feel like a saint. That, that sounds tough, but I do want to live life to the full. I want better for my children. I want better for the next generation. I want better for our congregation. I want better for South Park. I want better for the United States of America. And, and the way to do that is live life to the full. And if being spiritually strong and holy is that, then, then I want that. But I'm just, I'm so tired. What do I do? Well, if you're feeling tired, I want to read you some good news. This is from the Old Testament this time. This is from the book Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet. Several hundred years before Jesus was born, and he's come to bring the people of Israel some good news. They're tired. They're worn out. They think God's forgotten about them. They've been in exile because they did some bad stuff, and they've been taken away from their own country and, and taken away by another nation, and, and they're just wondering if God even cares anymore. And this is what Isaiah, the spokesperson for God, says to the people of Israel that I think God is saying to those of us today who would love to be sanctified, who would love to be holy, to live our lives to the whole, but we're just too exhausted to even be able to try it. This is some good news for us. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God gets it. God knows that we're tired. Even young people get tired, but when we hope in the Lord, when we hope for God, God gives us strength and renews us and, and takes away our weariness and takes away our tiredness and, and gives us the energy of the Holy Spirit, right? And we renew and we soar in the sky like eagles, right? And just a beautiful view, right? Those who hope for the Lord, right? We're waiting on God. We're hoping on, hoping for God. And, and to me, it's like, God, I'd love to be holy. I'd love to be sanctified. I'd, I'd love to let some sin in my life fall away. It's, it's clinging to me very tightly, too tightly. God, I'd love this. I'm tired, God says, receive my strength. And so my prayer from this scripture is, God, I hope you're right. 
I hope you're right and I need some help. So God, I'm going to lean into your strength, Lord. And I just like in my mind, I imagine the strong arms of God just like wrapped around me and just picking me up, right? And so maybe that's where you are right now is that we needed to lean into the strength of God, which means cry out to God, God, I need some help. I'm too weak to do it on my own. God, I need your strong arms in my life. I hope that you're right. I hope for you to come and, and give me that strength. I'm, I'm weary, God, but I'm ready to be energized. So maybe that's our prayer today. And I think another thing for me, and, and, and maybe it's true for you, is as we think about holiness, we think about being spiritually strong, we, we might be intimidated that, that we're never going to match up to God's expectations, right? We're never going to be able to prove ourselves as worthy enough or holy enough that no matter what we try, if we, we hit 12 of the 13, there's going to be 14, 15, 16 things that there's going to be on the list. And it just seems, again, like this never-ending journey that we're just never going to be able to, to prove ourselves to God. We're never going to be able to earn our holiness, right, to, to earn that perfection, that entire sanctification. And, and those thoughts go through my mind, and I'm a pastor. But when they do, I think it's a misunderstanding of justification and sanctification. I think it's a misunderstanding of the, 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 the beautiful theological concept of grace. And so I want to read another passage of Scripture to you. This is from Jesus himself. This is in John's Gospel in the New Testament. John was one of the 12 disciples, like Peter, who we heard from earlier. And here John is recording some words that Jesus prays. Jesus, the Son, is praying to God the Father and is praying for his disciples, and I think also ultimately is praying for us as well, because this is his prayer about holiness and sanctification. Again, Jesus is praying to God the Father, John 17, uh, verses 17 through 19. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world to share good news with people. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. That's, that's a key passage right here. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to set myself apart so that my disciples and all the disciples in the future can be made holy. Right? I'm going to sanctify myself to set myself apart so that, so that they, you and I, can be made holy ourselves. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus set himself apart to die on a cross so that you and I can be forgiven and that we can be made holy, that we can live life to the full, that we can become spiritually strong. And it's not because we earn it. It's not because we deserve it. It's because Jesus thinks we're worth dying for. It's because Jesus sees us as priceless. We have nothing to prove to God. Jesus loves us now as much as he's always loved us, as much as he always will love us. Jesus will never love you any more or any less than right now. Whether you become like Mother Teresa and just seemingly don't do anything wrong in your life or whether you, you do a lot of bad stuff, Jesus is never going to love you any more or any less than he does right now. But Jesus wants you to have joy in your life. Jesus wants you to have peace. Jesus wants you to live life to the full. Jesus wants better for you. That's why he calls us to be made whole. But we don't earn that. We don't have to prove ourselves, right? In, in God's eyes, we're already priceless because God created us in God's image. And Jesus said, you're worth dying for. You're priceless. You don't have to prove yourself to me. I just want you to be able to improve your life so that you can live that life to the full that I came to give you. So what? 
What's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? Right, we've been dealing with a lot of theology here, justification, sanctification, right? It's kind of complex and you kind of you know work on your brain. But what's the what's the takeaway today? Right? What's what's the big idea? What 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 does God want us to take from this? And this is what I think it is. Right? With God, we improve ourselves. We don't prove ourselves. With God, we improve ourselves, right? God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. We become justified with Jesus and we become sanctified with the Holy Spirit, right? God wants to help us get rid of that sin that's bringing us down, that's making us continue to feel guilty and and shameful, right? God wants to give us life to the full. He wants us to be spiritually strong and God wants us to be holy, right? God wants us to have a better life than what we're living right now. And so with God, we improve ourselves. We don't prove ourselves. We don't have to prove to God that we're worthy. We don't have to prove to God that we earn his love or that we earn holiness, right? That's not what it's about. We're priceless in God's eyes. And so for me, that's a huge relief that I, I don't have to do a lot of effort to make God love me. He already loves me. He's not going to love me anymore, but he does want to help me live a better life. With God, we improve ourselves. We don't prove ourselves. Right? That's, that's a slight you know, difference in words, but it's powerful. With God, we improve ourselves. We don't prove ourselves. Right? And so as we think about that, I think there's two things that I just would challenge you to do. Right? Again, we're going to be looking at our role in this and God's role in this in in, in upcoming messages. But for right now, I I would just ask you a question. Do you want this in your life? Do you want a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you want a a long-term relationship with the Holy Spirit, just like married couples have with one another? Do you you want to grow closer to God? Do Do you want to become set apart? Do you want to become spiritually strong? Do you want to become holy to be restored in the image of Jesus, right? The perfect image of Jesus so that we have less guilt and less shame in our lives, that the sin that clings to us is just ripped away. And instead, we we live life to the full. Do you want that in your life? Do you want better for your family? Do you want better for your children and your grandchildren, for your friends, for your your colleagues and your classmates? Do you want better for South Park? Do you want better for the United States of America, right? It starts... Right? And in every individual, do you want it? Because if you do, the Holy Spirit's ready. All I have to do is say yes. All I have to do is hope in God. Right? I think the other thing that I would invite you to do is lean into the strength of God. Right? Lean into God's strength. Right? We don't have to go it by ourselves. If we're feeling wiped out and, and just weary, right? we can lean into God's strength. Just like it said in Isaiah. Say, God, I hope you're right. I trust that you're right. I'm going to need your help. Come give me some strength right now, right? Envision those big arms of God wrapped around us and picking us up and and giving us the strength that we need. So do you want to be sanctified? Do you want to be justified? If you haven't even taken that step, right? That's available too as well, right? Do we want life to the full to be transformed by God? For God to meet us where we are and help us become something more, right? And if so, lean into God's strength, right? Lean into the strength of God and let God do the heavy lifting. And one way to do that is to join us right now for the sacrament of Holy Communion. There's power in what we're getting ready to do, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of what Jesus did for us on the cross as 
as we remember that Jesus sacrificed himself for us on the cross. Right? And a sacrament is an outward visible sign of an inward spiritual grace. The strength of God inside of us is, is symbolically celebrated on the outside. And we're doing that right now. As we remember the last time that Jesus was with his disciples before he was going to be crucified. And they had a meal and he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he blessed it and he gave it to them and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. As often as you do this, remember me. It took a cup of wine and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many so that your sins may be forgiven. As often as you do this, remember me. And that's what we celebrate today. And so I just would invite you to grab, you know, something to eat, something to drink. It, it can be small, right? it can be water, it can be juice, it can be Coke, it could be a cookie, a, you know, a piece of bread, whatever. We're, we're going to reenact what Jesus did for us. And we're going to open ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit works through Holy Communion. You don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a baptized Christian. This is God's gift for all of us. If we want to tap into the power of God, we're going to do it right here and right now. So I want you to pray with me. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you that you love us so much, that you died for us on a cross and that you came back to life, that you took our place, God, that you took our place in our consequences of sin and death and guilt and shame and hell, God, you took it upon yourself. And you give us a way to be restored into a right relationship with you, God. And if we've not yet received that, then God, we ask for that right now. God, forgive us of our wrongdoing. God, please help us to turn away from a life without you. Come and live inside of us and be our Lord and Savior. Let us feel the power of, of your justification to, to be saved, to be born again right now, God. For those of us who've not been able to do that, God, let us take you up on that. Come and, and live inside of us and, and be our Lord and Savior. God, we ask that, that that our relationship doesn't stop there. It just begins there, just like a, a marriage begins at a wedding, God. And that we would invest in you, that you would invest in us, and that, that you would give us the strength that we read about today in Isaiah, God, that we can lean on your strong arms, and that we hope that you are going to come and, and, and lead us in holiness, God, that you will set us apart, that we will become more like Jesus in our actions, in our thoughts, and, and inside of our hearts, God, that that when we do that and, and sin falls away from us, that we will find that we're truly living life to the full. We're less greedy. We're less gossipy. God, we're, we're not as stressed because we're, we're you know, remembering who we lied to and who we didn't lie to, God. That, that we don't have any guilt of, of, of cheating on anyone or anything again, God. That, God, we, we want that life that holy life to the full. And we're not strong enough on our own. So God, we ask that you would come inside of us and live there and show us and guide us and, and make us spiritually strong. And thank you, God, that we don't have to earn your love, that you did all of this for us, God, through grace. It's a gift, a gift that you give us, God. We don't earn it, God, but you think that we are priceless enough that you offer it to us. And so right now, God, we're going to just take a moment to offer up to you our silent confessions of things that are between us and you, stand between us and you and stand between us and one another, God. Justify us, sanctify us here and now in this moment, God, as you hear our confessions. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. We ask that Whatever that we're eating today would become symbolically the body of Christ broken for us. And whatever we're drinking today, God, would become symbolically the blood of Christ shed for us. It's in his holy name that we pray. 
So now I'd like to invite you to grab the food that you have and know that this is symbolically the body of Jesus broken for us, which allows us to receive power from God, the power of forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit that lives in us to make us holy like Christ, the body of Christ broken for us. And if you'll take out whatever it is that you're drinking, know that this symbolically is the blood of Christ shed for us, to offer us forgiveness, to give us power through the Holy Spirit that we can live holy lives, that, that we are no longer sinners, we are winners, and that we can have power over sin, that the Holy Spirit is with us. Right? This is what we celebrate today as we ask God to live in us and to make us holy. The blood of Christ shed for us. With God, we improve ourselves. We don't prove ourselves. We are priceless in God's eye. God is ready to give us life to the full, to transform us, to help us become something more, help us become something better, to be spiritually strong. And so I again ask you, do you want this? Do you want this? It is yours for the taking and lean into the strength of God. Those of us who are weary and just not sure that we can make it, we've already tapped into that power right now. Continue to lean into that spirit, asking God for that great gift of sanctification. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.